Hi everyone, and welcome back to Conversations with Nista. Today, I am here with Elizabeth Overstreet, a relationship coach and love strategist who's helped heal relationships around the world. I'm really excited to have her on today. She's been featured on ABC, NBC, um, and multiple other PR firms as well. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to come here and just chat with our audience. Hi Nista, thank you Nista, for having me on the show. I'm excited to connect with you as well. I know you're doing really some similar work out there. Out there. So, so thank you for having you. me on the show today. Of course. Well, I'm excited, well, to, chat. I'm excited to chat all things relationships. relationships. I feel like this, this is so, so fitting because today is Valentine's Day and we're sitting down and talking all talking things, all about, things about, about healing, not, not only your relationships, but also your relationship internally with yourself. I think that's really a huge thing that Elizabeth talks about specifically in her book as well. Love you and he will too, which we'll definitely get into today. But Elizabeth, I want you to just start with giving us the backstory. What got you into all things love coaching? So you can say I fell into this accidentally and a little selfishly, so I'll explain why. Um, I went through a pretty bad breakup and it devastated me. It, it left me feeling just hopeless and like, man, I, I invested all this time and energy and emotional space into this person and this is it. Like it didn't culminate into what I thought it would be. So I started writing and journaling about it and I'm also very creative by nature, so I wrote a book about it. Um, and when I wrote this book, a lot of people started saying, man, you have some really interesting insights into relationships and how we should look at it and how we should look at ourselves. And then I think I was almost predestined to be here because when I look back over just my history of time, uh, my parents, you know, were married like 60 or 57 years and my grandparents 60 years. And I had aunts and uncles around me that were married 40 plus years. So I had all these examples of people who were in happy and healthy relationships. So I thought, oh, I get it. I've observed this, these things. This should be easy when I go out and have a relationship. But no, as if it was not. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I was organically picking up this information and I was that person that the friends, my friends would come to me for relationship advice. They felt like I created this safe space. So, I mean, I went through a lot of other iterations before I got to doing relationship coaching, but I think my own journey of being single, dating as a single person, um, being married, then going through a divorce, dating as a divorcee and a single parent, then remarrying and going through a succession of relationships in between that weren't the right relationships really gave me a, a you know a unique vantage point to help others. And I'm like, if I could shorten people's curve of learning when it comes to relationships, I wanna do it. So that's how I'm here today. That's amazing. It's always, and I feel like I love having conversations like this on the show because everyone who comes on is always like, I just stumbled upon this, or this was just a thing that kept coming up to me. We had a hairstylist on the show who now works with celebrities and her story was like, I would braid girls hair on the school bus. You know, and it's as simple as that. So um, I just love bringing that across. What I'm just curious, do you notice are some of the most common challenges that couples face in their relationships? So I think like there's a ton, you know, of things we could talk about. But I think one thing it keeps coming back to is like we have patterns in the way we approach relationships. And oftentimes the reason why we can be on our own and feel really great about who we are is because there's not that mirror of being in a relationship and someone exposing other sides of who we are, right? It's a conundrum. It's like, man, I'm fantastic. And then you get in a relationship and you're like, what is happening here? So I think, you know, a lot of it is just things that have uh, been ingrained in us, some good, some not so good. Building self-awareness, that's one piece of it, like our foundational learnings about how relationships should be. I think it's building a safe space where we can communicate to our significant other about like how we feel and then taking, you know, 
taking not what, what may have happened in a previous relationship and applying it. So sometimes, you know, creating that safe space is hard because maybe you told someone how you felt and they laughed at you or they made fun of you or they threw it back in your face in a negative way. So all of these things we keep bringing into the next relationship. And then when we get into that space of emotional intimacy, we can't create it. That's a lot of times what prohibits us from being able to really communicate our needs to our partner. So I, I think that like emotional intimacy piece is huge. Um, and that being curated very naturally, but it's not always easy because we all have experiences with relationships that have failed and gone well. And then I think mm -hmm. secondly, just our foundation of how we learn how to have relationships. Those are the two things I think that constantly are present in a relationship because you can't communicate if you don't feel comfortable or safe. You can't have mm -hmm. trust if you don't feel comfortable or safe. You can't really build true intimacy if you don't feel comfortable or safe. You, you could do it on a superficial level, but it wears out. So I think those two things are kind of the foundational pieces of how we approach our relationships. Mm -hmm. I What I find super interesting is the part where you were talking about the feeling safe to be vulnerable. What happens in situations where you've just noticed that that is such a hard barrier to push through with people? Like, you know, I think we make a lot of assumptions in relationships and I think we assume based on our own understanding. So what do mm -hmm. I mean? Like oftentimes you can have two people in a relationship, have a conversation. You can go back to those two people and they've heard totally different things in that conversation. Because A, sometimes we're not listening actively to really hear what someone's saying. We're listening more mm -hmm. defensively to defend our position. And two is based on like our experiences. Like it's based on how we would see things or how we approach things. So I feel like when you combine these things and you're in a relationship, it's what creates kind of that disconnect in situations where it really should be more connected because we're not leaning into curiosity and, and, and always seeking to understand or see how someone perceives you from their perspective. That's hard because even though they could say, I think you're thinking this way about me, or I think you feel this way about me in a heated you know, conf moment of conflict, their perception is their reality. It doesn't mean it's the reality, but it's just their perception. Mm -hmm. So it's like really being able to kind of peel back your emotional side, because we're not robots, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's normal when, I mean, even if I'm having a disagreement with my husband, I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I mean, I want to jump right in. And I'm like, Elizabeth, what would you tell your clients? Just like sit back and listen, like not to defend, but to understand. And I think mm -hmm. that's when you can actually get through that moment of conflict, right? Versus like assuming. So I think that's another thing that happens a lot um, in relationships. Yeah, it's almost like this, and I've noticed this in myself as well, like a rush to, as you said, defend, because we feel like we're threatened and our own needs are threatened. And yes. creating that patience, I think is important. It's like a, it's like a muscle. Like I, I remember, I, I have to remind myself, like even if I get into disagreements with friends of like, it's safe to be here and take in and like you don't have to rush to defend anything so um i think it's really interesting noticing like how quickly some people are to defend that like almost that inner wound whenever it does feel struck i notice that's you know something that i'm really trying to work on um i'm curious too like in you know when you have these sessions with people does it ever bring up anything that you notice um you know, for yourself too, or your past in relationships. Like we were talking about this the last time we chatted is just like patterns that keep recurring over time. And we, we live through these patterns and if we don't, you know, heal them, they'll come up again cyclically. And then eventually you have to break the cycle and what you attract is sometimes something that you might not even expect to have 
benefited you in any way what you attract may not be your conventional type so i'm just curious like if you notice you know when patterns are recurring how you work through those with people um really with a discernment of like is this a, a cycle that i need to completely break or um you know and walk away from this person or is this a relationship i should continue being in and this is a cycle i can break within the relationship yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look, when I'm talking to my clients, I'm often talking to myself because I think even as a coach, the people that draw to you have some things that they see in you that they have, right? I think we may not say that as coaches all the time, but I every time I'm talking to someone, I'm like, oh God, I do that too, which makes me more effective, I think, as a coach because that person recognizes we share that thing in common that we're both working on and me talking to people, I'm able to accumulate, you know, good ideas of like what it looks like and how to shift it. So to answer your question, absolutely. Like I think for me, I was a bit of a self-sabotager in relationships. If it was going well, I'm like, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to stick mm -hmm. around? Are they going to shift? And then I would feed that energy, which would feed into the relationship. That was one thing I would do. Um, um yeah. And, and it was like, like waiting for the other shoe to drop on Yeah. Waiting for the other shoe to drop, like not trusting the process. Like sometimes I think the most difficult part of a relationship is just being patient and mm -hmm. waiting for the process, whether that process is going to be what you want it to be or whether it may not be what you want it to be. But I think in the end, what I've learned and what I've told my clients, everything is like a roadmap, a learning, a process of helping you to eliminate things. So even if something doesn't work out, there is some self-reflection that can be done where you can look back and be like, man, I did that again. Or, okay, this is where I could have made a different decision. And the opportunity will present itself again where you can actually take that learning and do better. I mean, another thing was like, and I think this is very natural for a lot of us, is we look for traits in our mates that are similar to our parents. We may not always mm -hmm. see it, obviously, but look, we spent a lot of time, the most time probably around our parents or caregivers. So it's natural to, if, especially if you had a great relationship with them, as you're looking for a mate to kind of look for some similarities. And so I love my dad and I, you know, I love my mom to death, but I think one thing I would focus on was like putting some attributes at a higher level than others, right? So maybe mm -hmm. I would say, well, okay, this guy's really successful and he seems to have like, you know, a good sense of humor and he has a couple of good att other attributes, but he's not really emotionally available to me. And mm. I might say, well, I'll rate the success higher, right? Because we all want, for the most part, a good life, right? Mm. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing to desire. But then I started realizing I was going for a certain type, but these guys lacked that emotional connection piece. Wow. And then I started to realize that, oh, I actually value this emotional availability higher than the financial piece. It doesn't mean I didn't want a stable guy or a guy that had you know, some success in what he was doing. But what I recognize is that he couldn't provide that. And so say he was really successful, but he had no emotional availability. Like he'd had that emotional maturity to be able to connect with me on that emotional level. That actually superseded things for me. Like that became a higher like uh, attribute that I would want for that person. Mm -hmm. And I learned that after like kind of going, you know, going through some relationship shortfalls where I was like, what's missing here? And it kept coming back to that thing. Wow. Um, and so then like one of the things that attracted me to my husband that I'm currently married to was his sense of emotional availability, his sense to be able to be comfortable in a space where things mm -hmm. are uncomfortable emotionally. So I think you, you know, as you go through relationships, you got to look at your patterns, but you also, it's very customizable, right? Like 
what Nista might need might be different than what Elizabeth might need. Mm -hmm. Nista might, you know, she might say, hey, I have, I'm an entrepreneur. For me, this person has to be attuned to the fact that I'm going to really put a lot of energy into my business and be comfortable. And that's like one of my number one things. Versus Elizabeth might be like, you know what, that's like my secondary or my tertiary, tertiary thing. So I think cluing into like what matters to you and how you'd rank it is super mm -hmm. important, you know, when you're looking and learning from your past relationship mistakes. Prioritization piece. I feel like we talked about this too in the calls that we've had off air of like the whole notion of making a list. I see that all over social media now. Girls are always like, oh, just make your list, manifest your ideal person. And I always oscillate between that because I'm like, at what point are you manifesting perhaps someone who isn't going to help you trigger you in the right ways to help you grow? Like at what point are you just manifesting almost this perfect person on paper versus I know that whole list thing has worked out really well for some people. And then you've gotten into the long-term relationship. It's, it's, you know, transformed into marriage. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the whole idea of like scripting down to the exact details. So I am a love strategist. So I do think like love does take strategy. And I do think you have to be intentional about what you want, mm -hmm. because I think when you create the space and know what you want, it shows up more in your space. So I do believe in that. But that being said, I believe in a list, but not in like a generic, okay, he has to be 6'2", he has to have dark hair, he has to drive a Ferrari. I'm just throwing very extreme, you know, of seeing things out there. But I, I mean, I think, for, okay, but I think when you think of cultivating a list, it should have attributes that no matter what happens in your relationship, financially, emotionally, mentally, that that person has that as their like moral compass. So mm -hmm. I did create a vision list for my husband. Like I didn't realize that he would be like matched his vision list. But when I kept yeah. having these shortfalls in my relationships, I started kind of listing the attributes I wanted in a guy, compassion, honesty, stability, um, someone who has a purpose of what they want to do. And I, I stuck with this list because then when I was in relationships and I was looking at people, it just made me more have more like self-awareness around Elizabeth. That's not the guy. Like he, he's not, he doesn't have those attributes that are super important to you. Yeah. Um, and, and so why are you still here in this situation? Because sometimes you intuitively know or feel that something's not a connection. But I do think when you have a framework or almost guidelines, it can almost give you almost like a North Star of like, okay, mm -hmm. I know this is where I want to be. And then it just, it gets in your subconscious and then you consciously start seeking it out. And so if my husband would have came and I didn't have that vision list in my head, I don't think I would have recognized him, you know, wow. and some of the characters, character traits he was um, showing. And then on the yeah. back end of that, I found out after we were married, he also had a vision list of what he wanted the person in his life to look like. So that was good alignment. So I think a vision list is good or a list to show kind of like what your goals are, what, you know, what you, where you want to be, what this person is kind of going to look like for you. I think it can be helpful. I don't think it should be superfluous things. I don't think it should be superficial things, but mm -hmm. it should be real attributes. Cause I think then you will hone in on that when those people are around. Yeah. It's that, that's a wonderful takeaway. And I'm just curious now, like to dive into some other gems that you talked about in your book as well. What would you say are maybe one to two, three other big takeaways um, in Love You and He Will Too? So a lot of times, you know, I know we probably, many have heard this quote that you're 50% of the problem, 100% of the solution. So I think the common denominator in our relationships that we don't want to talk about when they go wrong is us. 
uh, you know, at the beginning of the relationship, it's all great. He's, he's, a, he's amazing. Um, he's this, you know, brilliant person or she's this great person. She's so attractive. Oh my God, she gets me. He gets me. Then when things go wrong, you hear people say the most jarring things about people. And it's not that some of the things they're saying aren't true, but it's almost like they've leaned so heavily into the other side that they're not actually giving room for the things that brought them into that relationship. So I, I say all of that to say that another call out is self-accountability in, in recognizing the part you played in that relationship. It takes two people in a relationship. Some decisions you made, good and some not so good, are what also cre you know created the relationship's downfall. It, it just wasn't on one person. Mm -hmm. So I think until you can be honest with yourself and recognize those things, that's when people keep repeating the same thing over and over. Um, the other thing, like I think is a takeaway from my book is sometimes people get in relationships and they still operate as a single person. So they're like single while being in a relationship because like they're still like making decisions on their own. They're not really working as a unit, but working individually. They're not working collectively. Um, they're not compromising. They're just like, hey, I'm in this. And they're not really fully leaning into that other person. So one thing I have in my book I talk about is like being in a relationship is like being on a team. And like, if your team goes down, you're part of that team, right? And, and, and you have to work as a team. And what that means is like respecting each other's differences. It means um, learning how you guys, your differences can sharpen one another. Because sometimes I think mm -hmm. people go into relationships and they're like, I'm going to change this person or I hope they do this. And I think on day one, you should be able to look at that person as, un as, as, as crazy as it sounds and be like, I can accept them exactly where they are right now. Mm -hmm. Because that could be the best of what you get out of that person. I do think like um, as you're in a relationship, you develop each other. That happens yeah. naturally. But a lot of times the joke is like women are like, <laughs> okay, I see potential. And the guy's like, I hope she stays the same <laughs> when they're getting married. So I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like I, I think it's not hoping someone will totally morph into what you want, mm -hmm. but them becoming better because they want to become better. Because I think when people are invested in their own development, that's what happens. And I think it's also you respecting who they are, right? And how you two play together, how you two uh, work together. Yeah, I've, I've seen this so much in, you know, not only myself, but so many of my women friends is like falling for the facade or the illusion of what someone could become and then hanging on to that and you're seeing in the material world it's playing out in a certain way over and over like that man is not anywhere close to what you want him to be and then you're gonna continue making excuses for him and i'm calling myself out because i i've been there um well we all have been there but, let's, let's be real yeah. we've all been like the fixer they call it where you're like, well, there's so much potential there. And, and and we go into it thinking, okay, I can change this person or I can fix them or get them, you know, I can I can develop them. No, that person needs to be invested in their own development. It's it's crazy too. And it's like you want to be that person. You want to be the person that even if they've had this pattern, they change for you, right? Like it's I, I've just noticed it time and time again. And um it's like you said, I think really change happens when someone is forced to be with their shadow so that could happen in the relationship if they want to if they're going to take the initiative otherwise they need to like do some own inner healing work go to therapy do some coaching and and figure it out so it's, it's one or the other i've seen i've seen it happen in both ways where um people will like realize no i want to keep this relationship going like it is my end goal to be with this person and so therefore i will change i will fix all my patterns within this um, 
I've noticed that with some close friends and then with other people it's just like like a train wreck like they don't know how to be alone and so it's just relationship after relationship but they're bleeding on everyone so it's it's kind of scary and I've, I've also been seeing this on TikTok I'm so curious to see your thoughts um the whole notion that men get married when they're ready and typically they have the one that got away I'm seeing this everywhere where it's like they will not marry for love they will marry when they're ready and so many men have like they'll be at their wedding altar and then they'll have like the one that got away that they would come running back to but they just weren't ready and and it's different from how women operate because if we fall in love we will bend over backwards to make it work with that man but it's not the same for them they can be in love but if they're not ready they won't commit and then when they are ready it's the woman in front of them that they commit to um just really curious from your experiences what you think about that i mean that's interesting i do think that men do learn from error so i do feel that sometimes when a man is more pressed to make a decision or to step up it could be because there's some history of a situation where he did step up and that maybe he did love that person but he just didn't at that point he didn't feel like he was totally ready because i think men do think differently in the sense that they're more builders and um I don't want to stereotype because I know we're builders too. So I don't want women listening to be like, what? I build things too, Elizabeth, because we do. But I think men are different in that if they're really focused on something, they're about building legacy, building family. And it's, it is kind of the state of where you catch a man. Because um, sometimes women are like, I could be I could be secondary to your passion with your business, or I could be secondary to your passion of doing other things. But then when they're in it, they're like, why am I second? <laughs> So some, yeah. some guys will opt out. They will be like, okay, she can't handle this. I really need to keep building because I'm trying to build for the future. Or they'll pick someone who can be there to build with them or who can mm -hmm. deal with being in that secondary position. Yep. Whereas I think women <laughs> will be building, but also like try to keep their partner in a similar position as what they're building as much as they can. Yes. There'll be more self-awareness yeah. around it. I don't think men are that much different than us, honestly, because I coach men and women. Um, I think men need love too, and they marry for love. But I do think, yeah, I mean, we, I think women have that too. There's probably somebody we dated and we're like, man, I did not handle that correctly. Or I wish I would have given that a, a more of a try, right? I think yeah. that's human nature to like covet something that felt good for us because we do have those relationships and sometimes to like miss or reminisce on that um, because that's like the fantasy of what it could have been because we didn't live through mm -hmm. it. Versus where yeah. we're actually living in reality. I think that's normal. So I, I agree with it partially, but I, cause I do think, I agree that when men are ready, they're ready. But I also mm -hmm. feel like if a man wants you, you, he's pretty clear about that. Um, it's not, yeah. it's not confusing. It's not like, okay, maybe I need to talk him into this. No, if he's wants to be with you, he's going to show you. And sometimes I feel like because we watch so like so many romantic movies or reality shows, we get such the wrong idea because in movies, if you think about it, it's almost like the guy can end up with any beautiful woman. That that drives me crazy. Uh, I think 40-year-old virgin and so many other movies. Um, <laughs> but on the other flip side of that, I think it sends a message to us as women that it needs to be hard, that mm. it's a challenge involved. And I don't, I do think there's challenges in relationships. I'm very realistic because even when you are aligned, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be healthy friction yeah. in a relationship. But what I don't think is like when you're in pursuit or when it's someone is showing interest, I think it's very clear. Mm -hmm. And I think if women would reflect back on their dating history of men and even friends that are sitting there in the pockets that they know like them, 
it's very yeah. clear like that person's interested in you they're listening yeah. to you they're trying to develop a relationship with you they're staying connected to you um they, they're there in your difficult moments but sometimes we're ignoring those people for the people that aren't doing those things because something about human nature we like a chase or we like a challenge and what's really ironic is that even when that person is displaying like totally erratic behavior, we will find ways to make that behavior normal. Well, maybe mm-hmm. you're doing it because of this. We'll get with our girlfriends and be like, and we'll try to figure it out like it's a puzzle. And there'll be yeah. someone clearly on the other side that's showing totally opposite behaviors. But that also yeah. goes down to like people understanding what healthy love looks like too. Mm-hmm. I think a great resource for just people who are interested in watching on um, the science of the chase is uh, the book Intuition by Osho. He has great literature on really what it means to even down to when it comes to like intimacy and sex and clothing and and the appeal of like certain types of clothing like lingerie and what it means to almost entice people with a little bit but just not enough and the science behind it so it's it's really fascinating if you guys want to check that out but it's called like you're so it's called keeping a little mystery there i believe in that (laughs) you're so right about like you could have someone that gives you everything and you could have at one point in time said that you wanted that, but when it's in front of you, you're like, oh no. Exactly. This is, this is everything I, I wanted. I, I, co- I coach women all the time and I'm like, they'll say, well, this guy didn't call. He didn't do this. Then they'll get one that does all the things they complained about. And I'll say, okay, let's go back to this. You know, I always save notes. And, yeah. Okay. We talked about this on June 11th, 2020. And you said <laughs> that these things were important, that they call you, that they show up. And they're like, I don't know. I just don't feel butterflies. I don't feel like, I don't know. It's just not moving the way I think it should move. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's think about this from a logical perspective. So often when we get what we want, that's the thing of you got to know what you really, really want. Because we do get it, but sometimes we're not even really ready to receive it. Or, or, or we want to kind of push it away. And that could be the self-sabotaging or you not feeling like you deserve it. Or you mm-hmm. just being so used to unhealthy situations that you lean into that, right? Because you're like, oh, this is too easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's also interesting too, is like when we don't feel butterflies, it's almost like, wait, but is this, am I attracted to them? But oftentimes butterflies are just chemistry and oftentimes chemistry is just trauma. And so I don't think people have learned to differentiate what it means. Because yeah, butterflies are fun, but it's like, I think marriage is so different in the sense that you need someone you can do literally everything with and i don't mean this in a toxic way if you need to spend your time with them 24 7 i just mean that if you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person can you do groceries with them and not break out and do a huge fight can you do laundry and chores with them can you manage your finances in a way that's that's healthy and not causing any distance it's it's the little things like that when i say can you do everything with them it's not that you have to be spending every task of your day with them it's more so can you holistically do all types of tasks with this person because they will come up at different points throughout the next whatever 50 to 60 plus years of your life that you're choosing to spend with them so i think that's what people don't talk about enough and they fall for chemistry and they they ideate and they think of this idea forever with someone but it's like can you just can you coexist and live with them because that's when the second you move in with someone all hell breaks loose right because oftentimes you're like wait i I don't know like can you so that's that's kind of like my big marker indicator now is that can you be their friend can you be their roommate can you split finances with them can you do chores with them it's it's can you step into these different roles because it's a lot more than chemistry and I think we aren't conditioned to think that way about love you know we're conditioned for 
the butterflies. And so when it's not there and things are stable, our nervous system is like, this is unfamiliar. Even though we're yep. comfortable, we're not familiar with the comfort. So it's, it's, I think, a whole rewiring and reconditioning that we need to do in terms of approaching not only our relationships, but our perception of what love is and what love should be. Um, I'm also so interested. This is just like a funny thing that I thought of, but it was your reel the other day about doing reviews on Tinder because I know we're going to wrap up in a few minutes and I want you to like share um, where that idea came from because I, I watched that and I was like, yeah, I don't think anyone would swipe right on me anymore if there were reviews under my profile. No, look, I so I made a joke that like if people look back at their dating history over the last year and they did in Tinder or one of the dating apps, Bumble did a review on you, what would they find out? What would it tell you about your dating patterns? Because we do have patterns. And this is the thing, like I didn't arrive to where I'm at now. I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. I had bad habits for a long time about how I dealt with things and conflict. If the person didn't want to resolve through those things, I would just like take myself out the picture and disappear. That's not good. That's called avoidance. Um, and so I just think same like, girl, same. <laughs> right. It felt comfortable. I was like, you know Been what? It's, it's not going to, it's not going to solve itself. So I'll just remove myself from the situation. And people are like, what's going on? Why aren't you communicating? Yep. And I had to get in a relationship with someone. I had a really great relationship with someone who really was so great around conflict. Like we could talk about any difficult subject without voices being raised, without it becoming a um, combative situation. And mm -hmm. it taught me the power of like releasing and yeah. doing it in a healthy way. And I'm grateful for that. So that takes me back to Tinder and Bumble. Like if you guys were gonna look at your dating app, Hinge, whatever you're on, Grinder, whatever you're on, and you look back, you know, and, you, and let's say you're looking for a serious relationship. What mm -hmm. would the people you picked that you dated, the experiences you had tell you? There is power in like looking back and having self-reflection because we all have blind spots. We all have red flags when it comes to dating. Yeah. Um, and I just think the more we can be aware of them, similar to my vision list where I, I had this like, you know, I had something visually there that said, okay, this is what you're looking for, Elizabeth, but why are you over here? I think if people looked at their dating history similar, they would start to see emerging patterns and they would say, oh shoot, I am a self-sabotager. Oh my God, I'm a fixer. Yeah. Oh my God, I don't like the nice guy because that feels uncomfortable to my nervous system, like you said, because that feels boring. Well, this is the thing. When you're in a healthy relationship, there are going to be moments where it's boring. But I always tell couples, like, you still can curate your relationship the way you want. So you have to keep working at it. And I think that's the hardest part is continual. You know, mm -hmm. we're always changing and shifting. Our partner is too. All that plays into the relationship. So you're going to have good days. You're going to have some days that are challenging. And you're going to have some dull days. But the cool thing is each day you get to co-create again. So I think reflection back helps you to move forward. And then as you move forward, hopefully you start becoming more aware and you take the time to break these habits. And, and you know, I always think about like, if someone has a drug addiction or alcohol addiction, the first thing they have to do is what? Admit they have a problem. And yeah. then like the second thing is they usually go find a support group. And then they have a sponsor. And so as a relationship coach, I like to think of myself as like your extended support group or your sponsor to help you stay accountable to the things you want to accomplish in your relationships. And when people do that, it does shift things. Like we try to figure these things out on our own, but at the end of the day, mm -hmm. relationships can be difficult and it can be challenging. And if you've been doing something for 20, 30 years, it doesn't just stop overnight. 
But when you, you know, you partner with people that can help you and give you some insights, it just really does help to shorten your curve of learning and awareness. Yeah. And that's the first step. And then I think it's just continuing to follow that through. So that's why I do the work I do. I love it when I get a message where a client has an aha moment or where they're just like, um, they're like, man, I should have did this years ago. I'm married now. <laughs> and I'm just like, yay, breakthrough, you know? Um, and look, I, I have it with myself too. So when I'm talking to my, my, um, my community, I'm talking to myself about things that I'm challenged with as well. We're all humans. So I think it's giving yourself grace, but also having the self-accountability piece that really helps you to move forward. I feel like Hinge is such like an open, sarcastic community where literally one of my Hinge prompts is um, one, it's, it's coincidentally one of my patterns. And I'm curious what you think of this too, um, is the whole concept of like the, the foster girlfriend from like, Good luck, Chuck, where it's like you're always that person right before the oh, the, the partner finds the one. <laughs> because you're fixing. You're making them better for the next person. <laughs> That's probably what's happening. Every time. Every time. Stop that. <laughs> Let them figure that out and come back to you. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, Elizabeth, I'm going to leave it to you to just share more about like your, your links, where people can find you, your book, your podcast, Bed Talks. I know Elizabeth has that with her husband as well. So just feel free to drop those links in below. And as always, those will also be in the description box. So you guys can find those down below as well. So Nista, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I've enjoyed our conversations offline and also today. And I hope the, the listeners um, get some valuable, helpful tips around relationships from this show. Um, I do have a book um, called Love You and He Will Too. So that's on Amazon. If you guys like want to check this book out, the best way to learn everything about Elizabeth and the work I do is to go to my website, elizabethoverstreet.com. And there you'll see free content. You could pop in a question. I love questions. They're fun for me. Um, I want to help you have healthier love. That's what I focus on. And then my husband and I, like Nista uh, mentioned, we do do a podcast called Bed Talks, which you can find on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many other platforms. So I just love this work because I just think if we can get better individually, it carries over to our relationships with others, which carries over to our communities. And I feel like it's a domino effect. It actually makes the world a better place for all of us. So I'm, I'm passionate about this work. I'll never stop. I always joke, I'll never stop. Even when I try to stop, I can't. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here. And that wraps up our Valentine's Day episode today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And I will see you all here at our next episode here at Conversations with Nista.